Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Oh yeah, bro. It is good to be a Penn State fan right now. (laughs) This morning, yesterday morning, every morning this week going forward, it will feel good to wake up a Penn State Nittany Lion fan or player for that matter or coach or anyone involved or connected to the team. Wow. So, um, I except for say, if you're me, by the way. I'm, yeah, I got to say, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that you're ab- actually able to speak and, and like form sounds coming from your larynx right now. I have a cough drop in my mouth right now just to get some last minute juices down the old uh, <laughs> scream pipe because we were yelling real hard, real, real hard all night, especially me. And I lost my voice by the end of the first quarter. I, I thought it seemed like you lost your voice before a kickoff, dude. It was like it felt you were screaming way. yourself hoarse. It was, uh, I got to say, that was one of the best experiences. It's probably the best game experience I've ever been to. And, you know, I went to Penn State. I had season tickets all four years as a student. I was there uh, every game in the stadium. And I, nothing compared to that for me. It was incredible. You know, growing up, I always was like, ah, oh, these games are amazing. Everybody's yelling. We're screaming on third downs, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, truth be told, the the the, the stadium has only gotten bigger throughout our, our lives. And True. the fans have only gotten more and more rabid as we, you know, pro- progressed in our lives as, as Penn State fans. So, you know, the, 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 the crowds that we saw back in, say, 2002 and 1999 – they're different now. It, it's it's certainly a, a culture that has uh, you know grown to be this fan base that is just kind of revered as some of the most passionate uh, crowd noise fans in the country. Yeah, I'll say not a foregone conclusion either, especially considering you know the the way the the last ten years of Paterno's um, uh, time at Penn State went. You know, they hit some bad teams and then you know all the trouble around the uh, uh you know the the end of the paterno era and the jerry sandusky scandal and then you know some really tough years um and yet we've emerged through all of that with you know really one of the one of the great you know fan experiences in all of sports but fortunately like, we also have the largest alumni base in the country to go to match you know that love for the uh the football team you know so, yeah, I mean that definitely has a lot to do with it, right? That's part of what what helped keep the the team from uh, going under, you know, the program yeah, well, from going under. The, but the, here, let me just let me just before we go down that that path too far, because I, like I want to just go get back to the experience on Saturday, which again for me was one of the best I, I've ever had. Um, was able to be there with uh, my son Juan. Was able to be there with you and and Kate. Um, and even before we got into the stadium. It was quite frankly one of the most beautiful afternoons in central Pennsylvania that I've ever experienced. Like, so we're sitting there, like we were right by the baseball field, um, you know, the stadiums to the west, and um, you know, we're looking out toward um, Mount Nittany on the east, and and we were there for about an hour together. I got I got in town around three thirty four o'clock. We're hanging around for about an hour, tailgating with uh, Cody McKibben. Shout out um, and his family. And um, we look over, and some clouds had gathered, and there was actually a rainbow that formed. 
Yep. With the sun sort of like setting in the west. It was a west. full rainbow too. It was a full rainbow, double rainbow in fact. Yeah. That yeah. like was like the the one side of the the rainbow was like right it looked like it was actually at Mount Nitty Medical Center. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, so this was like maybe an hour and a half, two hours before kickoff. And it was just gorgeous. The weather was perfect. It was beautiful. And then we got into the stadium. Um, what do we get there? Like maybe 45 minutes before kick or something like that. And we yeah. get in and the sun was like, like perfect, pre- perfect creamsicle orange, yeah. with like, yeah. like, you know, purple clouds and the, the Goodyear blimp was flying overhead. I mean, it was, so we were on, on, um, the east side of the stadium looking west. So you're watching the sunset behind the stadium and the stadium's all on. It was just unbelievably beautiful. I, I mean, that was just, as it was just incredible. As, oh as, my gosh. You know, you certainly got, got your money's worth. Um, actually we, <laughs> we got Rudy's money's worth. That's true. Uh, Very Rudy, true. Thanks for letting our family oh, have man. this uh, wonderful that experience. Wonderful. Uh, Rudy, Rudy Glocker, former letterman gave us the, um, the, the tickets to the game. Wow. Uh, yeah. So the experience did not disappoint in any, in any way. Yeah. And so that was my, as I said, that was my first whiteout ever. Um, I was really glad to bring my son uh, with me to that experience. And, and you know, I was used to all the like the pre-game pageantry and stuff, but there was just like the intensity was just heightened. And of course, when the, the, the team finally runs out onto the field after all that buildup and like you got the pyrotechnics going off and like I've only ever seen that from television. But when you're inside the stadium and the band is playing and the team's running out and you are watching the pyrotechnics go off and it was just, it was a really, I don't know. I don't, I almost want to say it was a moving experience for me. It was really, it was really powerful. It was so, it was so Especially cool. I was when glad you, to be there. You probably have so much expectation leading into something like that. Of course. Yeah. It's gotta be hard to, to, to live up to expectation with, I mean, they have been pumping the white out all it's week true. long. It's true. And I'm even me, like I'm, it's like, all right, we're overdoing this. Like we're talking about the white out way too much. And that might be a, a, a a topic of discussion later this season um, right, without right. without really talking about it too too much right now but but i mean you know it's annually it's a great game i i do wonder if like you know th- they're gonna they're gonna try and do another one for the michigan game apparently and i don't think you should i don't think you should i mean the the white out needs to remain like this at the very at the very most one time a year and maybe some, like they didn't do it annually when they started you know i'll tell you i'll tell you what i i agree with you about um you know getting back to your main point like did they overhype it and i was wondering that myself and i'll i'll be to be completely honest here i'm driving up from baltimore you know on saturday afternoon and i'm thinking to myself like is i mean Maybe it'd be nicer just to could be home and watch, watch from right. you know my couch. Like right. it, I'm already like I I was actually um, performing a funeral that morning, and it was so it had already been kind of a long day. I'm gonna you know drive three hours up to State College. I'm gonna have a long night and then try to get myself back home. And I'm just thinking, you know, maybe maybe I'm just I gotta say, I do not regret for one minute being there. It was. It was incredible. It, it 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 exceeded my expectations, even with with how high those expectations were. Um, and then, of course, coming out of it with a win. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean that's first and foremost. The cake. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, I mean, we the win were very, is first and foremost. <laughs> we were very anxious through that game. I was. It was not a foregone conclusion, and that game could have gone either way. Really, up to the last 
the last moment in a lot of ways. Yeah, I was on edge, and which uh, similarly in the Wisconsin given, game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, the, but being but at given that the result, kind of game, right? But given the result, it kind of you look back and it just sort of makes all of the experience uh, that much sweeter. I mean, that's uh, you know, I don't, I didn't, you know, I, I, winning forty to seven doesn't have the same effect as like testing you from a player standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, from a fan standpoint. Like, like we have, have now played in two extremely close games and very tight, tight, anxious, you know, environments and moments. And it's like, that's how you're tested. And that's how you know how to, you know, behave moving forward from a, you know, an experience standpoint, from a competitive standpoint. So like the fans are just experienced probably what the team's going through from a, from a different perspective, perspective, albeit, but you know, I, I don't want to see, you know, us rolling 40 to seven every game and then getting one of those tight games. And then you don't, you haven't been there before, you know? Yeah. And it, and it doesn't feel like we're, you know, uh, tempting fate either. Like, it, right. you know, it's, it's right. not like we're making mistakes and like, Oh, we, we squeaked out and like, we're playing solid football games and we're, we're, yeah, we've been tested and we're starting to gain some confidence that we can still handle ourselves in these difficult yeah, situations. We're not, we're not doing what I refer to as crapping the bed. You know, we're not <laughs> yeah. crapping the bed and then needing our defense to bail us out or something Correct. like that. We're yeah. just playing football and we're playing straight up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, Penn state was the better team on Saturday. Well, look, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the game. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, some news and notes, stuff that's happened around the country. We're also gonna look ahead to uh, what we're hoping will be a bit of a, a break from the tough schedule in a, a, a team from Villanova coming in. We'll talk about that um, briefly. Yeah, um, but just wanted to start off with just sharing our our experience of the day, and I, I did want to say briefly that we'll. Um, we're going to post some pictures on the Blue and White Brothers Instagram uh, feed. So uh, if you want to go see some of our experience, you can go see some pictures of it. Um, we'll, we'll post that there. Um, but before we get into all that, um, we have our first official mailbag entries, uh, two items of mail today. So without further ado, it's time for mailbag. Mailbag time. Oh man, it's so good. <laughs> All right, so first um, first mailbag uh, comes from Scott Hagerman. Um, hey, Scott. S- Scott is actually a family friend of my girlfriend Kate uh, and their family, the Striplins. Um, so here we go. Hi, Andy and Tom. Just finished listening to your podcast for the Auburn game. Thanks for listening. I'm happy to hear you both are going to the game, and I'm very envious. The most recent whiteout I attended was the 2017 Michigan game with my son, Brady. Um, Shout out to Brady. He lives over in Denver near us. Um, So on the first possession for Penn State, direct snap to Saquon Barkley, and he takes it to the house. Oh, man. What a best way to start off a game. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) That was was great. I I was actually in San Diego uh, watching that game. I had just finished walking 2,700 miles in in the stadium for that game, for sure. So the whiteouts actually started in 2004. Initially student only. So his question is, um, I'm sorry, I, I, I skipped over this, which was also the case for the 2005 game. The first all-stadium whiteout was the 2007 Notre Dame game. So his mailbag question is, keeping up with the whiteout week theme, can you name the opponent which Penn State played for the first student whiteout in 2004? And bonus question, did the Lions win? So yeah, thanks, uh, Scott. Great question. Yeah, great question. Uh, and 
And definitely, uh, you know, there was a lot of whiteout talk this week. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, um, that it, you know, it was, um, the operation visine keep the red out, um, where we, where we did that for Nebraska. And, and, um, I think, I think we did win that game. In fact, and that, well, that would be my answer to the question. Well, so you're right that we won Operation Visine, but the problem with that was that was not the first whiteout. The first whiteout wasn't it? No, that was in 2002, Nebraska. We we uh, speaking, oh, of four, speaking of forty to seven, tricky. I think we won that game forty to seven. Interesting. Um, I was actually at that game, and and actually, I also thought that that was the first whiteout, um, but it but it was more so keep the red out. I think was more the theme of that. But I think it kind of had uh, the inception for the whiteout for a couple years later. Two thousand four was a very down year again. Um, we, four out of five years had losing records under Joe back in those those years, um, and we had number nine Purdue coming to town in two thousand four. The all student uh, section, um, so not full stadium. We lost twenty one to thirteen that year, but the first full stadium whiteout was actually that two th- or excuse me that was that Notre Dame game he uh, mentioned in 2007 yeah and what I realized um, you know since thinking about whiteout and talking about all these experiences is that actually our dad took my wife Eileen to that Notre Dame game. That's and funny. I think that was the the Jimmy Clausen era yeah and that was expected to be a pretty good Notre Dame team and I think I think, you know, my dad uh, had tickets and Eileen has um, grew up as a Notre Dame fan. She went to St. Mary's College, which is the uh, the all women's college uh, yep. associated with Notre Dame. And so, yeah, the, uh, he, he actually took her. And, yep. So she's been to more whiteout. She she went to her first she whiteout went to, before you went to exactly, yours. Exactly, exactly. But interesting because it, like at that time, the whiteout wasn't really uh, – a phenomenon. They were just no, getting started, no. but and it was um, it was like a day. It was kind of a day game too. I think it was a three thirty time I think slot so too. So it would have been dark by the you know by the end towards perhaps, the end towards the end. Yeah. Any case, um, yeah, great. Thanks for that question, Scott. Wait, you didn't and, even mention the score. We wa- hold on. We oh, jeepers. So so technically, by the way, that was the fourth whiteout ever. And they had done three annual student section whiteouts leading up to that. Um, and then 2007 was a full stadium whiteout, and we beat uh, Notre Dame 31-10. to 10. And I actually watched that game from Al-Assad, Iraq, after I had just uh, finished up a seven-month deployment, and I was um, in, you know, uh, getting ready to come back to the East Coast and come back to America for after my first deployment. So it was good, good, good win that season, and um, or good win that day, but that season did not go the way we <laughs> wanted. We had, ended up being like, I think, 10 and 4 that year. That's not too last, bad, all things considered. It was the last Morelli, the last Morelli season, I believe. I'll tell you what, um, it goes to sort of another question, um, which is like, what's Penn State's overall record in whiteouts? And, the, the, you know, I think what we uh, learned going into this whiteout is that Penn State is 9 and 9 was nine and nine going to no, the Auburn Whiteout? Eight. Or excuse eight me, excuse me. Yeah, my bad. Eight and eight. Um, and it's like, oh, geez, the white. Maybe the Whiteout's bad luck. But like, the truth is, like, we do the Whiteout when it's a big game against a tough opponent. Yeah. And um, you know, and so you might say that actually maybe the Whiteout helped us win some games that otherwise might have been a lot closer, or, or maybe we wouldn't have won. But the yeah, great so news bro- is we that we broke the tie. We broke, we broke the tie, the tie we're, with we're the nine Auburn and eight game. now. Yep. But we yep. are, we are. 
uh, actually now four and one in Franklin's last five whiteouts. Ooh. So I mean, we always talk about what have you done for me lately? Like that's yes. what we, that's what he's that's what Franklin's done for us lately, and also what the whiteout has done for us lately. It won. <laughs> <laughs> it is one for us. And, um, and it, it is one on set many, many fronts. Uh, you know, nobody would say, oh, that whiteout was not a great. It was a success. And we had, yeah, I think we awesome. had hundreds of recruits on hand for that. So, oh, you I mean, could see him just like lining the field. It was awesome. Well, look, we got another mailbag uh, submission. This is from Joel Bettner. Joel, who uh, survived the Rose Bowl trip with us. <laughs> yep. And uh, so w- wonderful to have a better outcome on, on this. Uh, this big trip than on the the cross country USC trip. Um, so Joel knows what it's like to uh, watch a close game loss, and um, yeah, he was forlorn for a long time. So uh, anyway, good to hear from you again, Joel. Um, here's his here, here's his uh, comment and question. Um, hey Tom and Andy, just like you guys, I find myself thinking about various Penn State football scenarios slash hypotheticals. And things that directly or indirectly affect the team. I often ask myself questions in a true or false format, and I figured I'd pass those questions along to you as well. So here goes. True or false. Last night's whiteout win will make it harder for James Franklin to leave Penn State if he gets an offer from USC. And of course, um, since we had our last podcast, Clay Helton was fired uh, from USC and the speculation began began like, I don't know what, five minutes later that Franklin was going to be one of the top names there. So um, he goes on to share his initial thoughts for that. Um, I'll share those. And then Tom, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Um, My thoughts, true. The win will help solidify an even better set of recruits. The win will give him the ability to negotiate for increased funding slash salary. The win gives him great momentum towards his goal of being the first African-American coach to win a national title. It further endears him to the Penn State fan base and community. And then he goes on to say, like, the counterpoint to that would be, oh, it just is going to give USC incentive to give him even more money. And so maybe that would make it easier for him to take away. But, um, Tom, what's your take? Is last night's win good for keeping Franklin or is it uh, bad for keeping Franklin? Uh, well, frankly, I um, <laughs> I have lots of thoughts quite on Franklin. This. Yeah, quite Franklin. I, I have lots of thoughts on this matter, um, and I'll tr- do my best to keep them as concise as possible, but we all know I'm incapable. So um, my thoughts are also in line with Joel's, more or less, and that is tr- that, that it's true. It will definitely make it harder for, for Franklin to leave a place uh, like Penn State, you know, because, you know, th- th- Helton was fired a- as he lost to... Um, Stanford, unranked Stanford. They lost pretty pretty bad um, to an unranked Stanford. And while they were the number 15th team in the country and they were undefeated and they lost to Stanford like that. But but if you looked up in that in the Coliseum during that game as they were a 15th ranked team and they were losing it was still the, like the beginning of the third quarter. Um, it was like well actually I think it was like 6 minutes left in the third quarter and they were still in the game at this point. It wasn't like, oh, this game's over, we lost, yada, yada. That stadium was sad. Like, there was, there were, <laughs> it was like 70% full. You know, you have a home oh game, gosh. and you're a 15th ranked team. Like, Penn State started this season ranked, what, 19th? You know? We were 19th ranked, all right? We had Ball State, you know, coming in, unranked. That Penn, that stadium was packed when Ball State came in, right? Oh, yeah. So, so. Everyone was. So, 
so happy to be there. Totally. You know, this is USC's first, like one of their first chances to have their crowd back. So, so when I'm thinking about this USC job and, and what Franklin, if he, if he were willing to, to leave Penn state, what kind of like, what are you leaving to? You know, Franklin was at least, he recognized that he, you know, that this fan base, when he came to Penn state was a very loyal fan base, a very yeah. loyal fan base. Yeah. And, and, and while, you know, it was hard in the first few years, you know, Bill O'Brien bridged that gap first and then, yeah, you know, attendance was tough, but we were coming out of crazy sanctions, um, or sorry, we were just getting handed down crazy sanctions. So uh, USC is not dealing with that kind of tumultuous experience amongst their, amongst their fan base and amongst their program. They just have a bad fan base in my opinion. They're very much like, they are very much what have you done for me lately kind of fans. Yeah. They're, if they're not rolling, they're not showing up, you know? And and our fans stuck with our team through thick and thin and through, stuck through the, with these players back in 2012. When the, I mean, I dude, on Friday night, Dad and I had the opportunity to go watch the pre, world premiere of the documentary Saving the Roar. Michael Motti was there. Matt McGloin was there. Um... Zordich was there. Stefan, uh, uh, excuse me, Stefan Green. Is it Stefan Green? Uh, Stefan Morris, excuse me, Stefan Morris was there, as well as uh, our, our one of our offensive linemen, Mike Farrell, and. You know, a lot of a, a lot of Letterman and alumni were there, and a lot of other. You know, the whole community came out for it, and and it was all about Bill O'Brien and, and and Franklin. I'm sorry, I'm not not Franklin. Bill O'Brien um, and this team um, making it through that 2012 season, and like banding together and sticking together, and and proving that that this place was special, and that that, that Penn State meant more than than what that one person did. Uh, you know. Uh, on his on you know back 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 when it was is going on and the point is that that even through all of that this fan base stuck with the team and i think that that's something that's special that franklin probably realizes is going on here so if yeah. he goes to us if he goes to usc there is you know and he's losing he'll lose the fan base like that because those fans will be like all right well we're just going to go watch the lakers or we're just going to go watch the dodgers or we're just going to go um you know i, I don't know the, Calif- the those fans are fickle compared to us franklin's yeah, I, franklin's I team it- here is the only game in town you know between the eagles and the steelers so that's that's my take. I think it's going to be really hard for Franklin to want to leave, uh, especially after a win like that with a whiteout. That's a special thing. It's a special place, and it's a special, uh, um, you know, honor to to be that that the coach of this team. Look, I think um, I think that's a really good point, and you know, having the support of the the community is a really really important part of being able to do your job well. Um, and yeah, I think Franklin has built up a lot of trust. Franklin's built up a lot of goodwill. Do you really want to, do you really want to throw that away and start from scratch? Well, as USC? you know, and as you know, Franklin is a family man. He, yeah. I, he's trying to here, build that with a team and of course his own family. Like that's, that stuff matters to him. Yeah. I think, I mean, look. Yeah, USC may be able to throw a lot of money at him. Is it going to be more than Penn State would ultimately be able to throw at him? Maybe. I don't know. That remains to be seen. Um, but, I, you know, there are a couple of ways I think you got to think about this. One, you, like you just said, Tom, what's best for my family? You know, is USC a better position for my family? I don't know. Franklin will be able to determine that, but it's hard to think about someplace that would be better than Penn State right now, at least from what I can gather. I think number two, what gets you closer to your big career goals? 
which for Franklin is winning a national championship. And yeah, you've got the problem of Ohio state, right? But like, are, are you going to, are you going to be closer to winning a national championship at USC right now than you are at Penn state right now? I don't know, man. Like Penn state's looks like looking like it's on the cusp and Ohio state is like, I don't know. Are, are they slipping? Are, are they, they slipping? slipping? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. It's like you're, and for, if you're Franklin, you, you're right at the verge of, of grasping everything that you've been working toward. Are you going to, are you going to jump ship at that moment? You know, and I think, I think that like, you know, and this was part of the saving the roar, that whole jumping ship mentality. And I won't yeah. go, I won't talk about it too much, but like there were players, a lot of players that jump ship. When the going got tough, you know, the going has been getting tough for Franklin, you know, last year and then having, you know, not a ton of success beating Ohio State and breaking through. But like those players that left, I guarantee you probably felt like they wish they had stayed. And they actually interviewed Silas Red, who, by the way, transferred to USC that year. And you wouldn't believe it, man. No, no, you, no one has told the Silas Red story since he left. Silas Red has not been back on campus since he left. And he always regretted leaving. He wow. said he wished he, he wow. wished he hadn't. Well, he also, and this is a little inside information to the documentary, and you should totally go watch it. Two hour long documentary, really interesting stuff. Silas Red had tears coming down his face because no one, no one ever told that story of why he left. And the why he left wasn't to go play at USC. Why he left was because he didn't. He was a Joe Paterno guy. He was recruited by Joe Paterno. He wanted to play for Joe Paterno. He was a Penn State fan through and through, wanted to be a Joe Pog guy. And when the university turned their back on Joe, he felt he felt he could no longer oh, trust the university. It was like a protest. It was like totally. a, yeah, totally. yeah. Interesting. So yeah. So yeah. so anyways, the <laughs> wow. point is the point is, you know, here you are, James Franklin. It would mean so much more to your legacy, to to your to your accomplishments, if you gutted out through the hardest parts of what you know, winning a national championship, getting over the hump in the Big East, you know, Big Ten East, excuse me, and getting over the the Ohio State hump. Because if you go and you take the easier track through the Pac-12, people will just always say, "Hey, well, he couldn't hack it against Ohio State," you know. Yeah, you know, so I, you know, it remains to be seen. Of course, anything can happen these days. Um, it's hard to know the mind of a coach. And of course, Franklin's being super cagey about it. And, you know, my take on that is like, hey, w- there's a, it's a no win situation, no matter how you handle it. So, right. you know, why, why right. give, why give the media any extra fodder? I, I hope that he is being transparent with his, with his teammates and, um, you know, it's, uh, uh, excuse me, with his team members and his his fellow coaches, uh, you know, ho- you hope that's happening. And um, but in the meantime, he's got a he's got a great season brewing, and and hope he's able and the team is able to stay focused. If that whiteout, um, you know, game is any indication, looks like they are very you al- focused. You also haven't heard anything about this topic since. <laughs> that's so day. true. You know, it's re- I mean, you haven't. So true. It's it's like so, oh, it was all all about like telling. Tuesday Tuesday through Friday. That's all they could. Oh, Franklin this, Franklin that, USC this, USC that. But when the game when it came game time, no one was talking about it, and they haven't talked about it since. It's Monday now, you know. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, great question, Joel. Thanks for uh, hitting us up, and and Scott too. Uh, the rest of you out there, um, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, send us a mailbag. Uh, email us blue and white brothers at gmail.com. and uh, that's mailbag. And from there, we're we're gonna head right over into news and notes. News and notes. 
All right. So um, just a couple of updates. Uh, you know, we're now a quarter of the way through the football season in 2021, and things are beginning to um, become more clear. Among them, Ohio State is really, really not the Ohio State of the last years. They're struggling. Um, they uh, Their game this weekend, they won, but it was against Tulsa. And guess what? It was like a one-score game into the fourth quarter. Uh, final score, uh, 41 to 20. So feels a little more respectable. But um, I think they allowed Tulsa to get almost 500 yards um, over the game. And they actually have since demoted their defensive coordinator. Yeah, Kerry Coombs, which, by the way, apparently what I'm hearing about Kerry, uh, Kerry Coombs is that um, he, he runs a very simplistic defense. And when you don't have that Chase Young or that Joey Bosa on the defensive line wreaking havoc, you, you know, they're just they're not making the plays that they are used to making because they don't have one like super duper elite guy that is just breaking through, uh, you know, and, you know, making splash plays every now. Yeah, like when you don't every, have Saquon Barkley to right. turn a, a two yard loss into a touchdown like right, your right. offense looks a little flat <laughs> yep exactly like so similarly when you have a simple defense and you don't yep. have a superstar player ooh, you're yeah, yeah. so, 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 so Tulsa was able to there. move the ball significantly against Ohio State and similarly their offense you know was not able to pull away until the very end. Well, their, so, their, their freshman quarterback, C.J. Stroud, also did not light it up from a passer stand, passing standpoint. Now, they were able to rely on their running game, and they have a freshman running back there that is like playing absolute lights out. And he had, I think he had 277 yards rushing, which is absurd. So we got to keep an eye out for that guy when, uh, when our, our game comes around. Yeah, continuing the theme of uh, perennial powers, Really struggling, and this is again in the Big Ten. Um, but on the other side of the ball, Nebraska coming within ooh six points, seven points of uh, tying Oklahoma. It's really close game to the end. Uh, number three, Oklahoma uh, just held on. Uh, Nebraska not able to pull off the upset, but um, that I mean, Nebraska has been pretty sad so far this season. And the fact that uh, Oklahoma was only able to come out of there with a seven-point win going down to the wire, that's interesting. I, yeah. You know, and Oklahoma was not punished for that loss, by or for that near loss. They they, they maintain a you know, pretty high ranking in the AP this week, but... Um, yeah, it's some funny things happening at the top of the board right now. I mean, so that's the that's the lone team they're hanging on to in terms of like they haven't dropped them below the rest of the pack. That's like, for example, they they bumped a Penn State above uh, Texas A and M, above Cincinnati, above Clemson. Now we're sitting yep. at number six. So they're they're but their their idea is that like okay, well. Oklahoma has been a perennial college football playoff team, and they have a quote unquote Heisman Trophy candidate. So they're trying to these AP people. I don't haven't, know. They haven't I, let go of them yet. They no, haven't let go. No. Of them. They let go of Ohio State. They let go of uh, of Texas A and M. They let go of uh, of uh, Clemson. Clemson, yeah. At least for now, if, until these teams can right the ship, so to speak, or whatever. Yep. But but Oklahoma, they, they haven't lost yet, so they're still they're still holding on to them. Yeah. So um, I would have loved if. Uh, you know, I would have I would have been happy for Scott Frost to get that win, even though it's fun to watch another, you know, highly touted coach continue to to have some misery. Um, back over, uh, continuing the Big Ten, you mentioned Cincinnati. Um, Indiana gave Cincinnati a run for their money, and um, you know we'll be seeing Indiana later in the season. Um, 
you know, Indiana embarrassed by Iowa. Cincinnati had a real tough time with them, ended up being a two touchdown game in the end. Well, they Indiana, um, they did the classic how uh, Indiana, you know, gets out to a lead and then they can't hold on to it. And, you know, and Penix ended up throwing a number, a, a lot of. Uh, interceptions in this one too. I think he had three he has or four, more, didn't he? He has more interceptions than touchdowns on the season. He's yeah, cli- so he's twenty twenty Cliffording. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he writes that ship by the time we play them. Yeah, but. and they they just announced our our game with Indiana is a is a primetime ABC matchup. Ooh, so so wow. we, we'll be able to uh, seek. We'll get more into that oh. ne- you know after next week's game, but oh. we'll, we'll, that revenge game will be on display. Oh yeah, well. A couple others uh, around the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan State uh, continuing to show that last year uh, does not, um, you know, write the story for this year. Similar to Penn State, they are now three and zero after dismantling Miami, thirty-eight to seventeen. And that score is not too off of what Alabama's score against Miami was to start the the season. So, so Michigan State really um, making a statement, and and Michigan State likewise is is climbing up the rankings as well. Not quite as far up as Penn State because they yep. haven't quite played the caliber of team as Penn State, but. Watch you know, out for Michigan State. You know, with Michigan State getting ranked now, um, that's uh, six of our current opponents are ranked in the top twenty-five. Yeah, and our schedule. So two of them we played. When we have four more to go. And I if Indiana, if Indiana could have pulled off that Cincy upset, they'd be right up there too. So, so Juan and I were driving home, and um, you know, we were talking about the game and the what ifs, and and he said, "What if we finish undefeated? Would be would we be ranked number one?" And I said. The given the te- teams that we're playing, you know, I, I can't see us ranked any lower than number two. I, you know, so, if so my here, here, if Alabama's undefeated, I, I think they probably will still rank them number one because of how the SEC tends to be viewed in the eyes of voters. But well, I, I think so. Here, I think we're, we're one or two if we go undefeated for sure. Here's too early, but but always fun to be talking about it. Um, I'm s- certainly hoping the team isn't thinking anything like that. Um, but as fans, <laughs> we're afforded the ability to to talk in hypotheticals. Um, so it, <laughs> you know, right now we're just dealing with coaches' polls and AP polls. These right these while these kind of shape our you know our perceptions of teams technically. When when you know, but what is it by the seventh or eighth week of the season? Yeah, it doesn't the, matter. Doesn't matter. The college football playoff rankings mm-hmm. come out, and they mm-hmm. the Very committee true. is supposed to be unbiased, and they're supposed to look at strength of schedule. Uh, they're supposed to look at strength of record. They're supposed to look at how we have played in big games, um, and they, they they take a lot into consideration. And if our resume and our 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 strength of schedule and strength of record is stronger than that of Alabama's and this offense continues to uh evolve and and grow and uh learn to be better every week and and they and they show new and more wrinkles um i there's i mean if we're not second we might be first you know <laughs> yeah that's what i think we i think it'll, it it would be one or two but hey a little premature um, and uh only a quarter way through the season but um we shall see. Uh, last um, item around the Big Ten, uh, Maryland, who will be facing uh, later this season. And, and you know, they've looked good in some ways as well and looked potent on offense. Uh, Maryland just squeaked by a lowly Illinois team. They can't, they had, they'd have a comeback. They'd have a big-time comeback. So, you know, which 
Maryland team are we going to see when we see them? Um, we'll, we'll find out. All right. Uh, finally, just a few others around the nation. You know, Penn State now um, with this current AP poll, we're number six. So we're just, you know, kind of keeping an eye on a couple of those other teams. Um, Alabama, Florida. Big matchup. Florida almost knocked them off. Uh, Alabama had to turn away a two-point conversion at the end. Alabama remains unbeaten, but ooh, it showed are signs they of vulnerable. Of being, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, um, there's also there's also West Virginia beat Virginia Tech and in, in a in a good matchup. Uh, unranked St- West Virginia, exactly. Fresno State beat uh, who everybody was you know the sexy team. UCLA is coming in with the fighting Chip Kellys and yep, they lost. You know Fresno State took care of them. Uh, so there's there's a lot of really good and, games. And by out the there. way, that We're, bodes that bodes well for Oregon. Who remember we said oh they they just snuck by Fresno State right and, right, right and it's like oh right. Pac-12 is is really having a down year and then Oregon goes and you know, beats Ohio State. Well, you know, the fact that Fresno State also upset UCLA might say uh, as much about the Fresno State team as it does about UCLA, but nonetheless. Yeah, who knows? Uh, uh, nonetheless, per- Purdue, yeah, UCLA. Purdue almost beat Notre Dame, too, by the way. Uh, it was a close it was, game. Notre, Notre Dame is a team that um, is hanging in there, but yeah. They, yeah. They, they look like they're a team with a lot of liabilities. Well, yeah. you know, We'll see. I think I think the next few games are going to tell a lot about these other other they, few teams. Finally, they, um, speaking of teams <laughs> that are struggling, how about Clemson? Yep, there you go. That's the had one. To, they had to turn away a Georgia Tech um, offense that was going in to win the game at the end. It was get this score. It was fourteen to eight final score. Georgia yeah. Tech scores a touchdown. That's a 15-14 win against Clemson. What is yeah, happening? They're, hurt. they're hurting. Clemson. They're hurting. Their offensive line is not figuring it out. Their quarterback is big time struggling. Man, big time struggling. They've. I think they've only had like I don't even know if they've had an offensive touchdown this season. Or it's it's not good. It's really not good. It is not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look. Um. So that that's that's news around uh, the nation as we go through the the the. Uh, college football season. Um, and uh, now let's get into the meat of it. Uh, dude, that Auburn game, it was awesome. It was just, a, it was just a great game. You know, if you're, if you're just looking for a good football game, that game had it. If you're looking for the, a Penn state game that doesn't give you heartburn, that was not it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Penn state was playing some of their best football of the season against you know, one of your blue blood programs. It was a great game to watch, a great game to be at. Uh, you since have had a chance to review the game um, on TV, so you got to see a couple of things that you know we were having a hard time seeing. So I'm I'm curious to get your input there. But um, let's jump in with just a couple of uh, of early sort of themes and storylines. And of course, Penn State came away with the win, twenty eight to twenty. Um, coming out of that win, um, they, they moved up four in the AP poll, now sitting at number six right behind Iowa. People are starting to think this Penn State's for real, and you know what? I am too. Yeah. Well, what's what's great about it is, you know, <laughs> every week we found um, some part of this team that has progressed, okay, and, and, they're, and, they're, and they're getting better, you know, week to week. We're shoring up various things. Um, and yet, there still is room for growth. We see that. We see that there's room for growth, but they're not... There, there's nothing that's like glaring that they're like, oh crap, we're we're beating ourselves here, and it's, and and oh, it's just going to be a big big problem if we, you know, none of that is looking that way. So getting better week to week, and at 
three games in, like what? This is the best possible outcome. Really, it is. From a team that went started 0 and 5 last year to a team that is 7 and 0 since going 0 and 5. Wow, like, that's this is that's where you want to be incredible. Right now. Yeah. yeah. Um. So speaking of that, you know, the things that we saw that were steps of growth. Yeah. Um. For this team, that you know, and and quite frankly, I would have been. I would have not been surprised to see some regression from Ball State because Auburn's a much better opponent. Right. But you know, one of the things that you saw grow from that um, those first two games and was extremely impressive is this Penn State passing game. Yeah, and I think there are two things there that we have to talk about. Um, one is a, is the offensive line and their pass protection. I mean, uh, Sean Clifford was basically untouched all day. Yeah, almost. <laughs> almost. I, I mean, almost, you know. I mean, it, it, he he had tons of time back there. You know, it's almost like Auburn decided not to rush the passer, which is not exactly the case. Uh but 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 he was given tremendous amount of time by that um offensive line and then couple that with Clifford's decision-making and accuracy. Dude, he was uh 28 of 32. Yeah, and his, you know, the worst pass of the day for him ended up coming on the one play where the defense actually got got to him, to him. and he was yep. throwing it deep at the very end of the first half. Uh, you know, it, it was a bummer because we probably could have gotten a field goal on that drive had he not been picked off. But he got hit really hard right as he was releasing it. It actually forced him not to be able to really step into it, which was the, was the reason that that it became an interception. Um, but you know, he actually no one really, I, well, you and I couldn't tell. From the from the stadium, but uh, and I didn't learn about this till later watching the game. He got hit real hard and actually like struggled to get up, and he was dealing with that injury even into the third quarter. So much so that he actually had to come uh, off of one of the um, uh, uh, drives, and he went into the med tent and was dealing with. I think it was his throwing elbow was a problem, and he came out with like a padded sleeve and a compression sleeve to go with it. Um, So just show. Goes so to show you that he's you know hanging in there tough yeah. and playing through injury, but you, he never missed a he never missed a beat, never missed a snap, and even after that injury, he did not have a single incompletion in the second half. He was twelve for twelve. Yeah, that's that's just. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think about this. This is the same Sean Clifford <laughs> that we watched last year. You know, make bonehead play after bonehead play. You know, not just not just physically inaccurate, but mentally mental lapses about and and he was literally from a statistical perspective perfect in the second half of that game against Auburn who was gunning for him and who you know the game on the line i mean that's i can't tell you how extremely impressive this is a this is a defensive line that had nine sacks i believe through their first uh two games and they were expected to get after Clifford in the pocket, but you know what Clifford did? He actually worked the pocket so well. He climbed oh, yeah. it, he shifted within it, and he kept his he kept his eyes downfield. He didn't run. He like ran. He barely. He had like one good like you know run where like he scramble. You know, broke broke free and, and got great yardage. It was actually I think it was before that that interception he threw, so it didn't amount to much. But with that rushing yardage, his total yards were over three hundred for the game. I mean. 
Speaking of just he's his growing, pocket, man. He's yeah, growing. Speaking of his pocket presence, like one of the other times where there was some pressure on him, it was down toward the goal line. And I, I think it was on uh, our first touchdown drive. And pressure was coming from the right side. Clifford kind of moved toward the right hand uh, of the pocket, chased out, keeps his eye downfield, and finds Jahan Dotson in the back of the end zone, delivers yeah. a sharp, accurate pass for our first touchdown. I mean, again, that that pocket presence, the ability to know when to leave the pocket, when to climb the pocket, um, just, I mean, just looked really great. Now, you got to say, you know, part of his extremely good stat line is thanks to the wide receivers who made some terrific catches on the day, you know, first and foremost among them, Jahan Dotson, who, who had a day. I mean, uh, it just, it looked like he was, I mean, it looked like he had put, you know, uh, super glue on his hands, the way he was able to haul it down passes. And um, it was just, I, I mean, as much as Auburn was keying off of Dotson, they weren't able to keep him from being a major factor in the day. So, so Dotson was awesome. Um, and let's not forget his uh, that that pass downfield he had too. You know, like oh, that's right, <laughs> that little trickeration. I mean, I mean, let's let's just real quick before we we move on to to our next topic of discussion here. Let's talk about how many little wrinkles Yursich threw out in this game that ended up That's being a very good point. I mean, he had one that did not work out as a couple that didn't work out so well, but he definitely had some wrinkles that he did not show the whole season, and they were definitely surprises to us. And it was like it worked, man. It his yeah, like his game that, call, that his Tyler Warren worked. that Tyler Warren touchdown where number forty four. A third tight end, right? Third on the depth chart. Like, yep. what's even his name? Like Tyler Warren is his name, you know? Wow. And you're, and I'm like, I'm watching them line up, and you're seeing like, wait, where's Clifford? What is and happening? What here? is I'm 44 like, doing there? Like, you know? what is? And like, he takes a direct snap, and like, he looked like he pole vaulted. Yeah. Over, you know, for the touchdown, it's an athletic was, move right there. I mean, and you know, as confused as I was, you can imagine Auburn was a little confused as well. Now they tried a similar kind of thing again. Uh, you Didn't know, Auburn was, as well. was a little, a little ready for it next time or that second time. But, but yeah, the creativity and um, yeah, so you're running the offense, but then you're also running some really kind of fun, creative wrinkles, and you can tell the team's having fun with it as well. Right, right. Like that's like that's what you do want to do in these games is have fun, and and it looked like they were definitely having fun and getting other people involved up to and including um, that fourth and one uh, play where Jay Mustafer, Jay Mustafer got the. <laughs> Direct snap on a fake, fake punt, punt. <laughs> and he got the first down. Interesting. They got the. We'll get into that that stuff after uh, after we finish up with the offense here. But yeah, I mean, right? You know, so it was just fun to see Yursich, who had been obviously playing it close to the close to the vest. Uh, yeah. Offensively, Speak- his game plan last week was very vanilla, very 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 vanilla. And I and I even said it to you. I said, "Hey, watch out! This this was a vanilla game plan, and I think we'll see something different for, for Auburn." And he. Oh, you're right. Proved that. I mean, you're absolutely right. It. And and. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that we've been looking for was tight end involvement, and we really saw that this game as well. Um, we already mentioned Tyler Warren and his direct snap, but um, you know, that's again, what, that's that's your yeah, such scheme, man. He, yeah, w- like one he, of the things. Sorry, I was going to say one of the things that we've already seen Yursich do, and and it paid off big time this past game is is the hurry up. And so, yeah, Penn State's, you know, kind of gone to the line quick a lot in the past, but then they're always like going over to check. But guess what? They've been running 
plays quickly, and that caught Auburn uh, off guard big time in this game. Um, you know, Brenton Strade, Strange, um, you know, was running wide open down the middle. Um, Clifford was able to hit him for a, a big 40-yard pass play, ended up being the longest pass play of the day. And then we run in, uh, you know, we, we get the touchdown here a, a couple plays later. So, you know, again, um, Yursic is really doing some interesting things with this offense. And what I love about it is the team's having fun and they're they're executing it well. Well, yeah, and so so that's where the sparks came from offensively for us because the run game was getting bottled up. Uh, while Clifford was certainly completing a lot of passes to a lot of our receivers, they were only getting like five, six, seven yards chunk plays from from the receivers uh, average wise. the The explosive plays came from the tight ends and the yeah. explosive, uh, all three of them. So so that game plan that you're like we haven't been seeing these tight ends getting getting involved too much in the first two games d- during significant points of the game to see Yursich's vision to actually game plan that from a tight or at least even maybe mid game he was making yeah. those adjustments you know now, think well, about res- this think about this like if you're Iowa or you're Ohio State and you're thinking oh I got to stop Dotson right uh-huh, stop the right. one game and stop Dotson and then we're set no 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 now you also got to stop the tight ends right mm-hmm. and oh by yeah. the way guess what john lovett who yeah. we saw for the first time in a penn state uniform uh very caught, a, caught by, a big pass yeah. out of the out of the backfield you know swing oh. pass and you know it was you know he, he took it for i forget i think it's like a 20 yard gain 18 yard gain or something like that the, so the, the john lovett uh angle is very intriguing to me and i definitely need to see what's gonna happen game plan wise from yursich with john lovett because he didn't dress for the first two games and then you know, in this game, Noah Kane was getting bottled up a lot, and like you know, I just I'm wondering what what's what's going to be John Lovett's role? Is he going to be a third down back? Is he going to be a receiving back? Is, or is he going to be involved game plan wise in the running game? Or and and if you know, I don't think Devin Ford had a single carry in the game. You know, like I, so, just really interested to see you. You know, yeah. as the rest of the season takes shape from an offensive standpoint, by like by the Iowa game, who who do we are, do it, we have any continuity from from a game plan running standpoint? Right. It really feels like, uh, and I got to say that the offensive effort, and in particular the passing game effort um, against Auburn, was just phenomenal. But it really feels like there's still a lot yet to come with this offense like well, the, it feels a, like they yeah, and, and whether sure. this is from a game plan perspective or from an execution perspective it seems like they're still uh, like I think they still like haven't a, put it all together it's like we have this massive puzzle with a million pieces yeah you know and we're still placing them all like every game we place a few more puzzle pieces you know and and I, once that once that puzzle is all connected. Uh, I'm. I just want to see what like when we're firing on all cylinders because because the run game blocking needs to get better. The yeah, it does big big time because Auburn for as bad as Auburn was from a a pass rush standpoint, um, they were that good from a from a pa- uh, a run defense standpoint. You know, yeah, they're not and the number one run defense in the country. Yeah. Well, uh, well, no, they're. I think they're the second ranked run defense in the country, I believe. Um, and um, and my uh, mistake. And Wisconsin, yeah, no, no. Here we go. I have it right here from from a yards per game standpoint. Um, 
they they are just behind Central Florida, uh, with they are number two with twenty one and a half g- y- r- rushing yards per game they're giving up. <laughs> that's that's Central Florida, and, or that's no, that's Auburn. That's oh my Auburn. gosh, Auburn is allowing twenty one and a half yards per game rushing. Oh, guess who's, guess who's averaging thirty three at number three behind them? Wisconsin. Wisconsin is the yeah, third so, well, best that, that rush be defense some, in the country. Some explanation as to why our run game hasn't gotten going is we played two of the three best rush uh, um, rush defenses yeah. in the country. Uh, right. At this point. Or, or or are we making them that good? Oh, that's our, true. Because <laughs> our, our run blocking is not up to snuff. You know. No. Now Auburn coming in was was the number one rush defense in the country, and and uh, yeah. So so it's a little bit of both, I think. But but yeah. certainly against that kind of um, those kinds of athletes on both Auburn and Wisconsin. Wisconsin's defensive lines, they're known to have good defensive lines. They they are. Both of those teams are perennially have great athletes along the defensive line. So so yeah, we 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 have work to do there, but but again, well, you know, yeah, in not, terms of in terms of putting the offense together, right? You you, you I and mean, we saw a little bit in Ball State the potential for you know, really solid um, rushing offense. And then also against Wisconsin, we saw the downfield passing and the big play, explosive play, you know, chunk play, even a couple on those missed throws with Dotson, you know, and I think there was a missed throw uh, to Dotson once or twice, but um, uh, against Auburn, but, but I, I think, I think those two other pieces of the, you know, of the offense, if they all come together, you know, in in a single game and we put all the pieces together, I mean, this is an extremely potent. It's efficient. You know, it, it protects the ball. It can be explosive. I mean, it, it really, wow. I mean, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. Hey, I gotta go back. I gotta, I gotta correct myself real quick. Please do. Uh, th- those stats that I was c- giving you uh, were from NCAA.com, uh, and the and the, for for whatever reason, those stats have not been updated um, after the fifteenth of September, which our game was after that. So, so that's only through two games for both Auburn and Wisconsin. They they are number two and number three in the country. Um, All right, so, so we'll, have to, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, know, so I apologize. Yeah, for that, it's still but that's developing. What we were dealing like, with yeah, like you like. Like you said, you, you really don't know, um, you know, whether it's Penn State is facing really good defense or Penn State's still too rushing small offense is still, yeah, sample size is small. But nonetheless, well, look, um, you know, we wanted to talk about the officiating and I got to say, I don't, I don't want to talk abysmal, about it too much, but I, I don't want to like talk right about now, it too much. I mean, I mean, truthfully, um, some of the things that happened in that game were unusually bad. Like there's some of yeah. the normal, like I didn't like that thing, but like the big one, I think to me was that they, they lost us a whole down and we were sitting there in the stands thinking that can't be right. Like that's actually wrong. What is, Andy, it's, what they, did, they didn't lose us a down. They lost us two. They lost us two downs because basically they, threw, they skipped over third down as well. Well, they, but think about it. That, that penalty wasn't a penalty. Well, so th- not only was it a loss of down yeah, for the penalty, right. <laughs> even though it would have been an incomplete pass, whatever. Right. Um, yeah. So, so, so they 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 took away a down, right? Yeah. A- a- as did. well as penalized us ten yards in as they did so. Um, you know, I mean, you just think about how that could have affected the outcome of the game. Well, and and sadly, and fort- I mean, Kirk, and again, Kirk, uh, 
sadly, Kirk and and Chris didn't catch it until after the break, and they barely they barely referenced it until you know maybe a few more, more minutes even later after that, where they were like, oh yeah, really? But then they just I, I felt like Kirk and 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 Chris uh, kind of called a pretty fair game. Uh, and they didn't. They didn't um, reprimand uh, from a personal standpoint. They didn't reprimand the refs. Maybe there's something in their contracts that they can't. <laughs> but <laughs> honestly, was some of the worst officiating that has ever occurred against the. And I've we've seen a lot of bad officiating, uh, namely back in uh, what was it 2002 when we lost to Iowa in like an overtime game when it was the inception of why Joe pushed for, uh, for replay, replay because because we yeah. caught a pass and they said it wasn't a catch and it was just uh, egregiously bad. Um, but th- that was that was up there with one of the worst, if not the worst, officiated game. And and it's sad because these guys are SEC refs that are a veteran group, and yeah. the SEC like, what was up with did that? not. They, the SEC made a statement, and mind you, this was strictly a like an acknowledgement and not an apology. Right. There was no like there was no like we will reprimand at the very least we'll reprimand this. Cr-. No, they I, we need to know what goes on when somebody. Is this bad? You need to be investigating these people for why it could be this bad. Is there any, you know, behind the scenes reason why these guys are clearly making it look like they're trying to help one team over the other? A little bit, a little bit, maybe. Who knows? Are these guys involved I, I mean, in gambling? Who knows? Look, uh, who knows? That, it wouldn't take that, you know, to, to, cause something like this to happen potentially, but like this is major college football. You got to have accountability. So, so, you know, it would be nice to hear that there is some accountability for something that that's that consequential in, in a game of this magnitude. But look, in spite of that, Mm-hmm. In spite of that, and there were a couple other things like Brandon Smith getting called for a late hit to keep an Auburn drive going when he barely didn't even touch the guy. Yeah, barely, you know, um, you know, Bo Nix. Uh, by the way, you know, threw the ball away under pressure, under duress. not outside of the tackle box, and yeah. yet he didn't get called for grounding. So they there even were some... said it wasn't grounding. They even came out and said, "Oh no, it was not grounding." <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> You know, so so there's some things that seemed really funky. The spot but, on Mustafer's fourth and one. That spot right. was they. Well, we blew the whistle before he got the first down. That's that's like literally game changing calls. Yeah, game changing so, calls. And I know I know Auburn fans had a couple of um, beefs as well. Um, you know, there was a uh, Jaquan Brisker. They thought maybe he interfered in in that fade at didn't. the end of the game. Nope. Um, doesn't didn't look like it. They they thought that that um, Jahan Dotson pass interference call at the end was 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 not you know real and and the I, only know, my the from only my eye I think it was. The only real gripe that they had, in my opinion, was was um, you know the the ejection. That that kid should yeah, not that, have been ejected. That hit us in the Wisconsin game too, right? Like, so we understand. Don't eject. Don't eject these players for these kinds. By of the things. way, that was the that was their leading tackler. You know, the, the guy the who led tackler, and he was in. trying to stop a touchdown. Yeah. Like, what else are you supposed to let him do? Is he supposed to let? He even said the the kid Jacoby is it Jacoby McLean or Zacoby McLean? Yeah. So Zacoby McLean tweeted and so did a bunch of other you know well well known people in the the sports world. What is he supposed to do? Let him score? Like just let him reach out and score a touchdown? It was like, it, it's it's hard to imagine him. Uh, 
tackling uh, the ball carrier at that point without making contact with the helmet, right? Yeah, he's so, reaching forward as he's spinning to the ground. Both, both and players if he are diving. Do that, the ball can re- can reach across the goal plane. The goal. Yeah, line, so, so I, that's that's something that's got to be corrected, I think, in football. And we, of course, we want to protect people's, um, you know, noggins, uh, you know, yeah. their little, their their brain skull areas. And yeah. we don't want them to. I mean, it would have been horrible if Jahan got knocked out of the game there, obviously, right? Yeah, right. So you want to find a way to protect guys and disincentivize, you know, um, um, headshots. But you know, there's got to be there's got to be a difference, I think, between you know intentional, egregious, flagrant violence. Um, you, you know, uh, unnecessary rough. You need to have a flagrant stuff. one and a flagrant yeah, two, to- or something to- like that. Totally, where where look incidental foul, right? Yeah, incidental personal foul. So you're still like trying to get guys to to use the right form, but then the ones that are really egregious, then that's the ones. But it, I I just I think it's I think it's harming the character of the game a little bit. Absolutely, right now. absolutely. Well, look, uh, we talked about this a lot longer than I think. We wanted to, and and to me, the the great news is that Penn State uh, overcame all of those challenges, um, and um, you know they were they persevered through it. They they drew a line in the sand, and a lot of that line in the sand comes from you know what the defense uh, has done this season and continue to do against Auburn. This is a, a an offensive team that came in averaging 61 points a game through their first two games. Yeah, think I about mean, that. They all, were the number the, one scoring offense uh, in the country. Auburn all the was. all the Auburn fans were like, "Hey, I hope you hope these uh Big 10, you know, Penn Staters are are are, you know, understand what kinds of athletes that they're going to see come into Happy Valley during the whiteout. We're going to hang 40 or 50 or 60 on you guys. That's what the mentality was from from all these Auburn fans coming coming in. And, you know, Penn State thwarted their ability to score at will. Absolutely did. They they looked strong, they looked good, and you know, is there room for improvement as there is every game? Absolutely. You know, Brandon Smith left a lot of plays uh, on the field, but he also made a lot of plays too. Yeah, he had he, ten that career that had ten six. tackles. Yeah. Oh yeah, good, yeah, yeah. Good job, Brandon. That that pick six, you know, that was one that could have like really really turned the game into a, a runaway for Penn State. So, you know, yeah. that was right there at the end of the half. That, you know, Brandon yeah. Smith's got to make that catch. You got know, to. you know, there were there were a couple of other plays like that, you know, some some a lot of broken tackles and credit um, Auburn's running backs for being tough to they bring. They were very down. good. They were very Tank good. uh Tank Bigsby and um but hey, Tank Bigsby and, and uh, I think it was Jarquez Hunter, um, right, their freshman. Uh, you know they ran super hard. They they had a, a good yards per per carry on four point um, five, I believe. Yeah, uh, and that's certainly above what our defense is used to giving up. Um, but you know th- that's we still dared we dared them to to have Nick's beat us with 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 his arm. Yeah, and that's guess what, what? It, Bo Nick's came back to earth. Yeah, right? sure seventy four percent completion rate in his first two games. He was fifty six percent. Yeah, fifty six percent in this game. He's you know he started off pretty strong. Actually, I was kind of uh, aggravated. <laughs> he started off eleven for fifteen. Yeah, um, I mean he didn't make any back breaking plays for them, but he did not win them the game by any no, stretch. No, um, but he he ended. Um, you know when the, when the game was coming down to it, he ended the game um, twenty one of thirty seven, fifty six percent. He was only ten of twenty two in the second half. He yeah. threw for just eighty six yards in the second half of that game. That was a close one score game 
basically all the way through. I mean, really, that's exactly what Penn State's defense wanted to do. Yep. They wanted to try. And, you know, a guy like Knicks who hasn't already, you know, established himself to be that, like, comeback on the road kind of warrior, you don't really want that guy throwing the ball 37 times. You know, right? He threw the ball thirty-seven times, and he had a hundred, hundred eighty-five yards passing. All right, Ooh, that's not so that good. now, that now <laughs> is is uh, I believe that's the most we've had a quarterback pass against us this season, in terms so, of number of um, yards. yards. Yeah. So, so no quarterback this season has thrown for more than one hundred eighty-five yards on us, and no quarterback has thrown a touchdown on our secondary yet. Okay. Wow. We are we already have as many interceptions. Uh, this secondary, this this uh, pass defense, I should say, already has as many interceptions as this team had all of last year. All right. I mean, we're looking at Knicks had a passer rating of ninety eight point eight. Okay. Mertz had a passer rating of ninety point six. Drew Plitt, I believe his name was Drew. Drew Plitt from Ball State had a passer rating of ninety one point eight. Clifford, I don't that look that. You know, is that good? Like, I get 100% on my test? Yeah, no, well, that's passer rating, which it can be, it's kind of an arbitrary, uh, you know, whatever your max is. So Clifford had like a passer rating of 400 in 2018 when he threw five, like, I guess five passes, two of them were touchdowns, and, you know, one of them was the longest one in Penn State history. So, um, you know, it's kind of like a, but, but so, Last year, to, to give you some context, last year Clifford had you know a a very bad season, as we all know. Not not a great season for Clifford. He took a step back for sure. Clifford averaged during his horrible season. He still averaged one hundred and thirty seven point four passer rating. So these guys, none of them broke a hundred in any of these first three games. This yeah, wow. This passing defense is now being considered elite from a pro football focus statistical standpoint. They they are they have ranked Penn State's pass defense as the second best in the country just being edged out by Georgia's pass defense and everyone's talking about Georgia's defense as being elite to as being the best in the country and ours team's pass defense is up there with them. And so all this fanfare in the offseason about hey this is Franklin's best secondary, his best group of athletes and his um you know it's you know all, potential all-American Jaquan Brisker this that this that they aren't just living up to the hype. They are kind of surpassing it in my opinion. Yeah. So so far at least. Yeah, I mean this was again a a unit that in past years, like they've lost us games because right. of their inability right. to close down a game and defend uh, the pass. Well, guess what? They're winning these games for us. Like mm-hmm. Jaquan Brisker defending that fade, you know, yeah. uh, breaking up passes, yeah. that, you know, at the end of the game, keeping, you know, it's, you know, and of course also credit the, you know, the front seven putting pressure um, in just the right way, you, you know, um, it, I, I agree with you. It's 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 pretty impressive, and and it's it's really become a strength of this team. You know, the caveat is for me, we have we faced an elite quarterback yet? Right now, you might ask the same of say Georgia, who you know you thought facing Clemson's quarterback would be that Clemson doesn't seem to really have an elite quarterback right now. Um, that you know, but you know, nonetheless the. Graham Mertz is a good quarterback. Bo Nix is a good quarterback. Um, 
Drew Plitt is a good quarterback. These are not bad quarterbacks. And these right. quarterbacks are not really well. Graham Mertz maybe lost some of the game, but like, you know, the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but very um, much debatable on that front. You well, you know, he just fumbled he the ball a couple. Yeah, of you're times, right. But, you know, if, if anything, Bo didn't lose the game for for his Auburn Tigers. He played. He did play a decent game for sure. Yeah, yeah. he may have um, played one of his best road games in his history so far. So, you, you know, but like. And it'll be interesting to face that Ohio State quarterback. You know, it'll be be interesting to see what it looks like. Well, you know, it'll be interesting to see what this defense looks like that's once true. we p- face that Ohio State quarterback. You know, well, well, look, let's take a step back. I mean, we're now quarter way through the schedule. Okay, we have faced two of the you know everyone in in in, in the whole country. We have two of the 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 best wins. In the entire country, against you know Auburn and at Wisconsin, um, hard to find um, hard to find teams that have two better wins than us. Okay, so Iowa, you know they played Indiana and Iowa State, right? Those are two pretty comparable wins. So I mean, you can make a case for Iowa. Um, Alabama just played Florida, but they didn't really. They played Miami and Mercer as their other two, and and so you have some teams that have played some decent teams, but Penn State's right up there. So what does well, this say about this team? How good are we, and how well, here, good can this team be? Here's what I'll say real quick before we move on from Auburn. Um, without that first drive of Auburn's in the third quarter coming out of the half, without that kid on that trick play, uh, he fumbled the ball. Speaking of you know fumbling the ball like right. Grammar style, without right. that fumble... You know, we don't, you know, Derek Tangelo doesn't fall on that. I mean, uh, by the way, Jesse Lucado was on the edge for that kid. He was going to, he was going to throw that ball, but then Jesse Lucado trapped him and he, he was forced to change direction. And without that play, maybe that kid doesn't fumble that ball. Maybe he releases it and they, they get a touchdown on that play. But Derek Tangelo fell on the fumble. We got it. We scored a touchdown. That touchdown was the difference in the game. And without that mistake by Auburn, we're looking at a twenty-one to twenty game in the end, and and Auburn is kicking a field goal for the win potentially. Okay, so yeah. so very different, uh, you know, outcome depending upon that play. So I don't want to be overly confident about this team just yet. Okay, we certainly have made all the right plays, and we're we're taking what people are giving us. I am, and we're not eager. giving away the game either. Right, and I'm eager to see what happens once this team continues to put all those puzzle pieces in place, and we grow with that that puzzle being in place. Because um, I think Yurcic is still implementing his his offensive scheme. I think this defense is still getting better um, and putting things together. And, and and you know our special teams haven't been asked to to do much uh, yet this year. And in fact, the first game they made a lot of mistakes. So that I'm eager to see what happens when the special teams are put on the on the line. But having said all that. Very, very impressed still with this team, where it's come from and where it has the ability to go. They look like a pretty complete team right now. They're playing complementary football right now. They're opportunistic. You know, they're not giving games away. Clifford is getting better. He's getting better, and and it's 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 really interesting to see all these new coaches uh, making their mark here. And and let's not forget, 
Coach Anthony Poindexter comes in as the safeties coach and co-defensive coordinator from Purdue. So what mark is he leaving on this secondary and in these defensive um, play calls? And so let's not discount what what maybe Poindexter is bringing to the table from a defensive standpoint, uh, schematically. And that's and a just- really interesting point. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think this is a, t- I mean, look, how many teams have fallen on their face already this season? Uh, you know, we're three games in, we faced, uh, I mean, what were you telling me? Like our strength of schedule, you know, our strength of record right now may be the best in the country. Yeah. The only, the, from where, from some things that I have found, um, there's, there's a, a strength of schedule, uh, aggregate, uh, composite, um, from this website called powerrankingsguru.com. And essentially what this, what this website does is they take all the, all the power rankings and all the strength of schedules played for every team and, and they compile it into one giant aggregate, um, uh, ranking and they they give the, an average opponent rank and a score and then um, and, and basically when it comes to strength of schedule um, of all the undefeated teams Penn State has the highest uh, opponent rank so our schedule that we played so far has been the toughest of all the undefeated teams yeah wow that's jo- only jo- Georgia is the closest uh, they're they're um, so in this in this ranking Penn State is ranked fifth uh, Georgia's ranked seventh and Iowa's ranked eighth Ohio State is ranked third but they're two and one you know Miami yeah, is ranked first right. but they're one and two in that different uh-huh. schedule uh-huh. so yeah. we're winning these tough games no no one is undefeated and and has played tougher games than us. Yeah. So, so I mean, that bodes so well. And, you know, I think you and I said that, you know, going into the season, we're, we're trying to project what things are going to look like after this Auburn game or after the, right, right. You know, after the Indiana game, for example. And, right. and we said, like, look, after the Villanova game, we could be two and two. You know, we could easily have lost right. two of these three games. Okay, if we lose two in the first four, what can we do after yeah. that? Still, right? And we were, we were hoping that maybe we would just you know lose one of them and we could split right. uh, Wisconsin and Auburn. You know, right. the fact that we're coming right. out of this three and zero, going into a Villanova team who's an FCS team, uh, you know, and hitting the meat of our Big Ten schedule, uh, you know, four and zero. You know, not to not to overlook Villanova, but that that's I mean that's incredible. And like you said, we're just we're just sort of putting it all together. And you know, if you think back to that 2016 team, and we came out of that first four game stretch two and two, right? Right. With a new offensive coordinator, right? And right. it took us like basically five and four and a half games to figure out how to play the new offense. Well, luckily, so, so at that time, Joe Mo, we haven't had it. We hadn't had an offense, uh, an offensive philosophy or scheme already right. somewhat in place. Right. Luckily, Yursich, we do kind of we we've been playing. Yeah, so he's not building from scratch, right? Right, Joe. But Mo nonetheless, the other thing that that tells me though is that like we may not see the peak of what this team can do until game four or five. Or six or seven. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like like maybe even like we're, we're still Iowa. climbing if in terms we of can our beat potential. Iowa and 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 still have room for growth, you know. The, the, wow, you know. I mean, I mean you'd like to see a complete game in, in Kinnick Stadium, obviously, you know. Yeah. Uh, that, it, it's probably gonna take that against that team. I think but, the other thing is that like um and, and you said this, you know, um, but we're healthy yeah, and we're hungry. We're healthy. Yeah. That's it. I mean, these these 
seniors came back after going, you know, four and zero to finish their year last year. They came back so they could start three and zero and have an opportunity to be four and zero and five and zero and six and zero and so on and so forth. And they're they're backing it up so far. They're backing it up, and it's just it's um it's a testament to to what Franklin's doing. To be honest with you, and if you're Franklin, why do you? Why are you trying to leave for USC with this kind of stuff going on? You I know? don't think he is. I, I mean, don't think he on. is either, personally. But however, I do hope that he is going. I mean, what what when one's an, one's an, one's enough enough in terms of facilities and this that and the other. But let's be honest, it is sort of like an arms race, and Franklin probably still needs to get a couple of these extra amenities that some of these Clemsons and Ohio States, by the way, Ohio State, who, who we have to share a border with, I have to beat recruits out or beat them out for various recruits, like. He's going to use this as a bargaining chip to get what he needs to continue to be competitive in all aspects of college football. Look, all the facilities in the world are not going to compensate for poor team culture. Right. For bad relationships, mm-hmm. for abusive you know, attitudes and, and like what Franklin has built, again, we're not inside, okay? We don't have, we don't have you know, the perspective of, of players who are giving us the real story. So, so we don't really know, but from everything that we can see that the heart of this program is built on a culture that is, that is real. So, and that's the other thing, you know, Franklin going to USC, what kind of culture do they have there? You know, like, honestly, is that something where Franklin can, can really do, I mean, people on the outside think Franklin's all about hype and energy and, and salesmanship. The truth is easy answer. That's the easy. I don't really think that's what drives Franklin. Agree. I really don't. Um, I think, I think he had to hype. He had to hype back in the day when he had to get the fans on board and get, and get eyeballs on Penn state when we were, you know, a forgotten team. That's what he had. But I think what he's really about is he's settled into being a head coach now, and this is not what Mm -hmm. he's about. No, and he's about he's about bringing consistency, bringing recruits into a team who will be a good fit for the team culture that he's created. It's his team, and I think this year has really shown it. With all the struggles of last year, you know, and and he didn't waver or falter. He had the administration behind him. His team didn't give up on him, and like you said, they're all back here for a reason. That's because of what they saw in themselves and and the potential that we're seeing it. So look again, quarter of the way through the season, there are still some tests to come. And I think, I think once we hit the Iowa game and once we hit the Ohio state game, we'll, we'll by that point have a really good picture of what this team really is. But I really like what I see, man. I really do. It's exciting. I'm I'm very glad to be playing a, a Villanova game this week, um, you know, because yeah. like, it, it has felt like, you know, a Ball State was going to be a trap game, you know, got to watch out. Like, hey, I'm not saying Villanova isn't going to be able to p- make some plays, like they very well might, but, you know, we'll talk about Villanova here soon, but I'm just glad that, that we don't have like, you know, Iowa next week or Ohio State next week, because you know who Auburn plays next week? They also play a, a uh, <laughs> Alabama. Georgia. Yeah, no, they play Georgia State. Oh, so, Georgia State. Georgia State. <laughs> so, so they played one FCS team, one MAC doormat, and now here they go back to um, to an FCS team in, in Georgia State. So, so it, by the way, it kind of blows my mind that the, that the SEC is allowed to schedule all of those cream puffs for four games. You know, they played us, but 
you know, yeah, there are other three games considered, that are considered, oh, the best conference. Full-blown cupcakes yeah. so that uh, we play nine conference games. They play eight conference games. Um, well, so, speaking of cupcakes, yeah, we are, uh, and again, no disrespect to Villanova, but this is an FCS team. Let's talk about the Villanova game. We're going to... Uh, they are the pre- number seventh ranked yeah. FCS Villanova. Okay. Uh, number six versus number seven, right? Yep. <laughs> you got a top um, ten matchup. Pennsylvania yeah, exactly. Teams. <laughs> um, you know, okay. So they're ranked higher than a, Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of a market marketing gimmick right there. But um, you know, hey, they're an in-state opponent. We have a history with Villanova. Um, Villanova is actually on a bit of a win streak. They beat us last time we played. 70 years ago, um, mm-hmm. 1951, Villanova beat us 20 to 14. Um, I think I remember reading like that was at like a high school field in like Allentown or something like that. I have no idea. <laughs> I so, mean, the fact that we have any relevant information about Villanova that was a neutral for... <laughs> site game is a big yeah. marquee neutral site. <laughs> so, well, we do lead this the all time series with Villanova five three and one tie. So, you know, they're, they're, if they can win this game, they're that much closer to to, to tying the evening it out. Right? Yeah, that'll be even at that point if <laughs> yeah. they win. Actually, no. No, 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 that's right. They need two to beat. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, and just for the record, uh, this is part of a two game series. Um, the first of two, um, we'll play them again in 2025. Yeah. All right. Well, look, these guys are not awful. Okay. They, they, they're a veteran team. Uh, like I said, uh, or like Tom said, they're number seven nationally in the F- FCS. They play in the very competitive uh, Colonial Conference. Um, same conference as James Madison, by the way. Who you know, they James Our Madison house. has knocked off a couple of FB, you know, decent FBS teams. I can't remember if it was maybe Virginia or Virginia Tech or someone like that, not too long ago. It was something like that. Um, and so they're they're playing the same conference. Um, they're currently undefeated, um, in and and they just had a had a really big game in their conference against against rival um, Richmond. Yeah, that bi- um, who, a big time comeback, a come from behind. They they scored three touchdowns in the final five minutes to come back and win that game, um, and to remain undefeated. And that was a ranked Richmond as well at the time. So so a good game by them. Um, they also ended up the week before that, Andy, absolutely obliterating Bucknell by it was like fifty five to three or something like that. Right, um, and and Bucknell's an FBS team, by the way. Is that true? No, no, maybe no, no, no. They're, they're FCS. FCS. You're wrong. They're Division wrong. One, but FCS. F- my bad. My bad. <laughs> Have you ever seen Bucknell on television, no, I'm sorry. Andy? No, no, I'm no, sorry. No, 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 no. I miss. I, I, I <laughs> yeah. I got confused between Division One and FBS yeah, versus FCS. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. They play. <laughs> the they play. F- they play Division One in basketball, anyway. but not football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So anyway, um, yeah, obliterated Bucknell. Um, look. Uh, they returned their quarterback, their running back, um, Daniel Smith, QB, uh, eight touchdowns on the season already. Like, like we said, he led their team to a major comeback, um, against Richmond. Um, these people, they, they, they know how to play together. Got a great, um, wide receiver, Des Boykin, same high school as Saquon Barkley. In fact, um, Whitehall. Uh, Whitehall, yep, Whitehall High School. Um, they're running back Justin Covington. Again, he's a returnee, um, averaging over 100 yards per game this year. And um, they're basically the fourth-ranked scoring offense in the FCS, 45 points per game. 
Yeah. They know how to move the ball. They got some players. They 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 they're, they're going to be able to move the ball somewhat on us. I kind of anticipate it. You know, the, this this Penn State team is probably probably due for not a letdown, but like maybe they'll play a little softer on defense after that hard hitting primetime. A little lack of game. focus, maybe I mean, it's an emotional kind of... drain after that. You know, a whiteout. Like, you know, I, I'll be. I'm glad. That's what I'm saying. I'm glad it's Villanova, and I'm glad it's not like yeah. Indiana or something like that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that, that, it'd be hard to get up a second week in a row for that kind of a thing. Um, now it is um, a noon kickoff. Uh, yep. And we are a 29 point favorite right now. And we, the noon kickoff on the Big Ten Network, by the way. Um, so thankfully, we do have the Big Ten Network capable of, uh, uh, you know, giving us all the games that the, pri- the primetime networks don't want or the broadcast networks don't want. <laughs> right. I eagerly still want to watch this game just as much as any of the others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with it being a twenty nine point favorite, um, yeah, if we if they if they have it within two scores, I'll be shocked. Um, I, I can't imagine that that James Franklin had us so poised coming out of uh, after the Wisconsin game against Ball State. We scored you know fourteen points before Ball State even knew what was going on, um, and we kind of kept laying it on the whole game. Um, I, I kind of anticipate a similar. Type of game against Villanova, maybe maybe Ball State or excuse me, maybe Villanova, um, you know, scores like twenty one points against us or something. But I I'm kind of feeling like we'll we'll put up like forty seven, forty eight points to their like twenty twenty points or so. That's kind of what it's feeling like. Um, maybe maybe that 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 line will change as the week goes on. Um, but you know. With the the next week is Indiana, by the way, and at home a, a run of four home games in a row, or is it five home games in a row? What I think it's be, five. Yeah, f- a run of five home games in a row. Excuse me. Um, so so I'm not saying that we're going to be looking ahead to Indiana, but. I think everyone's got that game circled. I think these these guys got that game circled. You're coming to our house, Indiana, and I think they're going to want to take care of business against Villanova so they can make sure that they can take care of business and have it be uh, a happy day and happy valley when Indiana comes to town and they get to get their, seek their revenge. So I don't see us looking past Villanova, but it might not be um, you know as crisp of a game as we would uh, have. It's just I'm just telling you. Coming off of a um, a game with in Happy Valley at, at a whiteout at night, it's just going to be tough to get those guys emotionally up for a noon kickoff against Villanova. It just is. Those the yeah. crowd will be flat too, you know. Yeah, I I, I can appreciate that. Um, that you know, it's not the first home game in a year and a half. It's not against right. Auburn right. night game. It's it. You know, I think. I think it'll be more of like maybe a business like atmosphere for the team, yeah. and yeah. and certainly they would be forgiven. I mean, half the fans might stay outside in the if it's a yeah. nice day, stay outside at tailgate. You know, uh, certainly at the, least you until know, the, halfway through the second quarter. Yeah, the, yeah, I think that I think the the stadium will will likely not be full at opening kick, but um, uh, you know, so the team I think can be forgiven f- perhaps for for lacking a little bit of focus and sharpness. I I don't know, man. I I actually see. I actually see the coaches talking to this team about this being a put it all together game and the last kind of like, I, I don't think they'll say it in these terms, but like the last dress rehearsal for, for, for putting all the pieces of the offense together. I think there's going to be a challenge to 
you know, hold Villanova scoreless. I think there's going to be a, ch- I think there's going to be a awesome. challenge. I think there's going to be a challenge to score on every drive for the offense. Man, and, those, I, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would so, be great. So I really, I really see this game as being 42 nothing at half. Hmm. I, I really see that that being a, a possibility and that Clifford gets one drive in the second half. Um, and then we start seeing the second and third stringers. I think we see um, Roberson have a lot of snaps. And I think, I think the third string defense sees a lot of time. And I think that's where you start to see Villanova make, make, you know, a mark on the, on the scoreboard. I really see this as being, I don't know, 56 to 13. Hmm. Okay, so so because you know you're undefeated so far, you're three and zero, just like the Penn State <laughs> Nittany Lions. That's yes. your take. All right, I yes. can respect that. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what I'm saying here. Um, I am going to say it's forty hmm, forty seven to seventeen is my final. Forty seven seventeen and I'm yeah. I'm fifty six thirteen. So we're pretty close, I think, in the end, you know, in terms of final scores. Um you know, I guess you're you're seeing a little more scoring from Villanova and a little less from Penn State. I'm I'm going you know, sort of going all in on Penn State's offense and and um and, and, thinking, and thinking the con- defense will be able to handle them even the third Conversely spring. To to last week, you right. um, you know, you you said, oh, I wish you, I wish I, I want your score to be right, and, and your score was right. But this this week, I want your score to be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a couple of things, by the way, uh, here real quick, Andy, before we um close out here, I, I was given some some um feedback from my buddy Cody, who we were tailgating with. He said he wanted to make sure that we we were given uh, game balls uh for you know. Or, or even projecting who we thought was going to be players of the game moving forward. So at the very least, um, let's let's at least give some some you know uh, game balls to to um, players coming out of the Auburn game. Um, I think yeah, you I'm going get to start it. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's really hard to to say uh, one person is worthy of the game ball, and that like, if I had to give it to one person, I would give it to uh, Clifford. Um, oh yeah, because because he took the step. He made. 100%. He made. He. I mean, you. He took the step. He found the open receivers, and and he gave. He took what the the offensive line was giving him. And wh- but if I were able to give it to a, a a group, I would say the offensive line's pass protection was elite. It was elite in that game against a very difficult uh, defensive front. Um, and and also you know a little little side mini ball to the tight end group. Like holy crap, they 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 picked up the slack where the explosive plays weren't coming from anywhere else. The running backs, the receivers, and they were they were there for some huge chunk yardage, and it was all three of them made a major contribution. So that, that's my that's my, uh, my 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 two cents on the offensive side and the defensive side. You just gotta you, you gotta hand it to to the secondary for 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 you know playing elite lockdown secondary defense all season long and including this game as well. I have nothing to disagree with there um, on all sides. I, I, I totally agree with you on all of that. And and just to say uh, on that defensive secondary, look, each team had four scoring drives. Right. 
Penn State yeah. had four touchdowns. Auburn had two touchdowns and two field goals. Defense. Like, that's the difference. You know, it was Sean Clifford and his ability to run the offense, and it was our defensive secondary's ability to keep Auburn out of the end zone when <laughs> push came to shove. So, yeah, absolutely, 100%. So, and moving forward, if you had to pick a, a like a, a play, you know, not a player of the game, but like who you look to, to have a, breakout either a breakout, yeah, breakout performance or John Lovett, John Lovett, John Lovett okay. is going to be my breakout performer. Uh, I, some tells me that he might be the guy for this offense hmm. uh, as running back. I mean, he's, Something, he's I don't a veteran. Know. I just, he's a veteran. I just saw a little flash here and there. I, I think he, I think he shows up hmm. during this Villanova game and that might be when he take I mean Noah Kane I think it I it could honestly be John Lovett one Noah Kane two hmm. after I, this I'm I, curious I would, that he didn't that he didn't it's dress a bold, for the first two games it's a bold take it's it's a bold take you know what I heard I, I was listening to the post game show yeah. I heard that he failed a summer class oh Wow, and, and that's and why for he, that for that matter, Keaton Ellis as well. Like what, did I didn't Keaton hear Beeman? about. Uh, they I haven't hear played about those guys. still. They haven't played, but, so maybe but, they all failed um, summer classes. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I think he had a two game, you know, Suspension. sanction from from yeah. from James Franklin. That's and, possible. And now he's um, now he's in it. Back in. So all right. so so I guess if I'm gonna pick 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 somebody on on the offense, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Parker Washington is gonna have a one touchdown, a uh, hundred yard game uh, plus. Uh, and and on the defense, I'm gonna see. I actually think I, I like to see Jesse Locato have a multi sack game. I'll take it. Yep. Well, look, guys, um, Penn State's 3-0. and We're ranked number six in the country. Uh, it's been a great first quarter of the season with a lot of football left to play. We're not counting our Nittany Lions before they hatch. But um, this would be a, a nice game to see uh, see Penn State put another uh, layer of the – another sort of series of the pieces of the puzzle together. Uh, mixed metaphors there. I don't know what I'm saying. But in any case, the villain <laughs> – <laughs> the Villanova game. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, hopefully, it'll be a fun game, full of lots of um, you know good execution on Penn State and and um, on both sides of the ball. But we'd love to hear the mailbag keep coming. So let us know what more uh, you have to say, uh, how you want us to, uh, what questions you'd like for us to address, things you'd like us to talk about in future uh, episodes. Email us blueandwhitebrothers at gmail dot com. Uh, until then, we're going to sign off. Bro, it was a great game. So glad we could hang out together at the whiteout. I'll remember it as long as my brain remembers things, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, that was great, man. I had a great time. Glad you were able to make it up. And even though you drove back to Baltimore in the middle of the night, it got home, what, around 4 a.m.? Yeah, totally. That was an audible, too. I was going to stay at mom and dad's and, and just... Just was feeling the adrenaline rush. I'm like, I'm, I'm yeah, home. <laughs> you're right on, man. <laughs> Made it safely, right. you know. Uh, so gl- glad I'm still, uh, yeah, glad my brain can still remember things uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after that. But um, right, well, uh, and I'm impressed, man, that you made it through this this podcast. Um, just like the Penn my State voice defense, got you gained strength as you. I gained went. strength. It didn't. This morning, waking up did not sound good. It was it sounded like it was going to be a really bad, uh, a really bad recording. <laughs> but uh, well, got the just tea like and honey in bro. me, and the Ricola, and the Sepacol, and the water, and and uh, I've been sucking on lozenges and muting it in between answers. 
Nice technique, dude. Way to yeah. way to work the system. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, man, it always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. It always starts with I love you. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. We'll talk soon. We are. Head State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 